Yorkshire. You're listening Jeez. to Super Yacht Radio. It is four minutes past the hour. And you are listening to a special report, uh, one, of, uh, one of many to come. Uh, this week we're going to tackle the subject of bigotry and racism in the industry and ask the question as to whether or not this industry has got a problem, if it's endemic, or if, like most things, it is just one of these things that is found here and there and not everywhere. Um, just to kick off, uh, what I'm going to do is read from a posting that was put up on the Fort Lauderdale Yacht Cruise site on February 21st. And it was, um, it was posted by Todd McFerrin on February 21st, and it reads like the following. Putting this industry on blast, I just forwarded a candidate for a crew position, in brackets, stew, and she was rejected because she is black. That's not an assumption on my part. The captain actually told me this. What the actual F question mark is our industry really like this i like to think that i am not naive but that is just unbelievable and very shocking to me the guy asked me to send him another candidate and i said hell no i hope those of us in the industry that aren't like this stand up and speak out against the those that are and he finishes with a little prayer jesus um this posting generated uh, a, a lot of response. There were 232 uh, people in all responded to it. Um, and what we've done is we've invited uh, a panel of people to join us and discuss the issue. Here in the studio is Maeve and Dave, as usual. And um, we are joined today by Tim Clark from Key Crew. Uh, Mokhtar Fall, forgive me Mokhtar, I, I don't know your position on the boat, but you are a senior crew on, ah. on a yacht. Yes, I'm a chief officer and a relief captain. A, a chief officer and relief captain. Um, we're also joined by Colin Squire from Yachting Matters and Lindali Spes Mukunu, forgive me if I've got that wrong. Uh, Lindali, who's joining us from South Africa. Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen and lady. Thank you for joining us here on Super Yacht Radio. Um, thank you for having us. Thank you. Uh, if I may throw this open, first of all, to Tim Clark at Key Crew, um, who uh, I, I think has a lot of experience in, in putting crew out on boats, and to ask him, ask you, Tim, what's your experience? Have you found any blatant racism? Have you? Tell me your your, your thoughts. Well, I, I guess it depends on what exactly your definition of racism and discrimination is. Um, but in terms of what Todd described in his post on uh, Facebook, then no, I've never come across anything as shocking or, or blatant as that, which is a good thing. However, I do think there are uh, there's more subtle discrimination and racism within the industry. Um, however, I do believe it's also better than it probably was five years ago, ten years ago, etc. Okay. Um, yes, because one of the things that, that strikes me about our industry, I, I'm Irish-Egyptian, but if you were to meet me, you certainly wouldn't see the Irish in me. I, I, I'm more Egyptian-looking. And uh, one of the things that strikes me is that there seems to be so few people um, non-white. I, I hesitate to use the term coloured because as Colin brought to my attention... Um, yesterday, the term "coloured" 
is, uh, is no longer politically correct. And so for the sake of this conversation, I hope I don't offend anybody, but uh, I'd rather use the terms black, brown, um, uh, and real. I hope that doesn't, uh, that doesn't upset anybody mm -hmm. out there. Um, yet, uh, may I ask uh, uh, Mokhtar, uh, you're, you're a senior officer on, on a yacht, and um, it, it's not the usual. Uh, what's your experience been in the industry? Um, yes, uh, it's not the it's not the usual, but um, I think um, I've I've been very fortunate um, to come across with people who would believe that um, I should be given a chance. And I think, uh, and this chance was given to me, and I proved myself, and uh, and here I am. I think I haven't really um, for my nine years. I've been uh, on a boat. I've worked on three boats, and uh, and all of them didn't really worry about how my color of my skin is. So uh, I don't think, for me personally, I have got major issues of of that kind of problems. Uh, and did you find it difficult in getting your first uh, position on the yacht, uh, more so than you would think other people would have? Uh, Yes, I think it was was, diffi was difficult. Even um, I come from a background, I have been part of the South African America's Cup crew, and I think that was a big, big push to be uh, to be given the first job. And uh, but was after hard trying, like everybody else. But uh, I happens to be at the right place at the right time, and uh, the captain saw me and uh, tried me for three months and said, "Yeah, you're on." And I end up sitting on the boat for six years. So yeah, <laughs> well done. Yeah. Can I ask, uh, Mokhtar, are you, you're on a sailing yacht? That's right. So I, I, I would like, I, I do wonder, is there a difference between uh, the sailing yacht industry and the motor yacht industry? They're, obviously, it's different training and different skill sets, but is there a difference between them, possibly, as well? Uh Yes, to my to what I saw from uh, from being on the sailing yet what I saw from the uh, from the outside of the deck uh, um, uh, on the, uh, because I've also got some um, um, uh, motorboat on the side where we are in, here in Ken and um, yeah it's it's quite different I think it's different mindset uh, different kind of mentality and I think so the sailing yet they I, it seems like they are more tolerant in terms of was was on board they're not concentrating on the look and uh, i think to my point of view it's like uh, when i look for a crew personally i'm not uh, worried about how they look i just worry about if they be able to to sail the boat if they're able to to to, to manage um the workload so yeah i think so it's uh, less about the aesthetics uh, and, and more about <laughs> being able to actually apply and, and do the job itself that's right yeah. But Lindelli, your experience was di was different. We spoke uh, earlier on, and um, you spent some time trying to get into the superior industry. Could you tell us a little bit about your experience? Yeah, I think maybe it's 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 good to give you a bit of a background. Um, I got into the sailing industry um, quite late in my life. I think probably I must have been, you know, twenty nine and. And what struck me was even even the way I got into the sailing industry. I'm, I mean, I'm coming from a pretty much middle class um, or upper middle class black family, educated parents, and all of that. But no one around in my 
in my immediate environment knew anything about sailing boats or, or, or yachts or, or any of that. And already then I was coming from an aviation uh, background, but, but no one in my immediate environment knew anything about boats. So I think the story pretty much uh, starts there. And then I, I meet a white gentleman from Cape Town who, who, who we have a conversation with. And then the next thing he's telling me about boats and, 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 and sailing in Cape Town and I get an interest and then I come down to Cape Town and there I am, I'm in sailing, you know. And in the school that I sail in, in, in Cape Town, I'm the only black guy uh, who's sailing in that school. The course is, is a Yachtmaster Offshore course, so it's upwards of close to 200,000 rand, you know. Um, so already there's a barrier, that's barrier number one or number two, I would say, because I'd say barrier number one is the fact that even me, a, a, a young, educated, young black boy from a middle-class family, not coming from an impoverished background, uh, was within a black family that had networks. And out of those networks, not one of them knew anything about sailing and boating. So it's just there's, there was no way for me to know about it. And then number two is the expense that, that is incurred in trying to get into the sailing industry is, is barrier number two. If you want to do your yacht master offshore, your skippers or whatever, you have this huge expense. So there's no way you're gonna be a boy from a township in South Africa and you're gonna be able to afford that, you know? And then you're in, you're in this, this, this sailing school and you're sailing there and you're the only one there already. So you have no one really to look up to, you know? You, 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 you're thinking already you're on foreign land and foreign territory. And then I get a, um, a job, you know, and I deliver some boats. And in, in, my, in my job delivering boats in the Caribbean and, and some in, in the Med, uh, I do a few, a few dock walkings and all of that. Now, by the way, there's, as we all know, I'm sure there's lots of South Africans within the yachting industry. Uh, but probably, I'm not going to go into numbers because I don't know what they are, but I guess that 80% or 90% of them are white South Africans. So... We need to kind of ask that question, why is it that it's just white South Africans that are able to go to um, Europe and America and get these jobs? And I would guess at a thumbs up that it's got a lot to do with exposure and it's got a lot to do with finances. So the barrier to entry is high. And if you're looking at South Africa, the population is impoverished, most of it. And, it's, and if it's not, it's middle class black people and they don't know about it because there's no one within their close knit circle that knows about yachting, you know. So walking the docks in, in the Caribbean, it was difficult for me to even get in there. And I don't want to steer us to the, to, 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 to the way of bigotry and racism because it's something we can't prove. What I experienced more than anything else was just a lack of um, understanding from their part that is it possible for a young black boy to have a Yachtmaster offshore and actually be able to sail because there's no representation already in the industry, it's difficult for you to, to even phantom that, that I'm looking for work and I can sail a boat because you've never seen one. When I took a boat from Cape Verde to Malta and I was stopping in the Canaries and Madeira Islands and Gibraltar and Sardinia and all the way to Malta, in every marina that I was stopping in, there would be, I, didn't, I wasn't confronted by racism, I was confronted by shock and awe, you know, that... Uh, you're here, you're on a sailing boat, and you're saying that you want to moor this boat, you want to pay for the mooring fees, you want fuel, and you're going to stay here for a few days and then be on your way. Uh, are you sure about this? And then they want to, you know, see all of my papers and 
coming short to asking me for my blood type and DNA kind of story. <laughs> and, and, and not really and not really because, you know, they're being racist. What I found is they're just they're curious. You know, some one, one guy that I met, an old man in in in, in um in, in Madeira, he wanted to touch my hair. You know what I mean? And and that wasn't racism. And I understood that maybe this old man has never seen a young black boy here in this space, in this still small island, you know? So I think, you know, to cut a long story short, I think without knowing much about crewing and the yachting industry, I think there's a lot of work that the yachting industry has to do with intervention programs. And maybe that's something I can speak about later in what I'm doing here in Cape Town. It's funny you should say that because... Um uh, I remember growing up in Ireland. I, I was born in 1965 in, in Dublin, and there was nobody um, around that was not white or pink. Yeah. Um, and um, I remember as a child being in the super. I was adopted by white parents, and I remember yeah. as a child being in the supermarket, and uh, the mother of another child coming up asking if her child could actually touch me and and prod me. Um, because <laughs> never seen a, a brown colored uh, child before um, exactly and uh, and I, I remember another occasion leaving a supermarket we, we all obviously spent a lot of time in supermarkets when I was a kid um, <laughs> but leaving a, a supermarket and my my father being stopped by the security guard who thought that perhaps he was kidnapping me because there's a brown kid and there's a white man um, the collars and cuffs don't match and so he was exactly. asked the question, you know, who, whose child is this? What are you doing with this child? Um, so Precisely. as you say, it's uh, exposure. Colin, yeah. you, you've been quiet for a very long time, which is not like you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's actually quite cathartic. I'm enjoying that moment. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just kind of listening to, to, to Lindani. You know, it's, it's um, saying about the proportion of, white South Africans walking the dock. And I have to say, I kind of made a bit of a joke at the um, Antibes raft race um, that, you know, 80% or 90% of the, 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 the crowd on the dock were in fact from South Africa. And yet they were all white. Um, but I think there's another underlying reason why there are a lot of white um, South African guys walking the dock. So I don't think that's necessarily part of the argument. Um, and if if I suppose if you're looking at is there racism in the industry, there's racism everywhere. And the thing is, with our industry, of course, each boat is an individual business, if you like. And it only takes one person in that chain of command to nod in the wrong direction. And, you, and you're going to get some um, discrimination, whether it's against, you know, whether you have a male or female cook or 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 or, or a black crew member or, or a pink crew member as you like i mean it, it you know people have chips on their shoulders for lots of reasons um i mean i walk the docks even at my ripe old age from from athens to i guess down to gibraltar at times you know so i walk a lot of docks um and i do you know i do find you know young black crew um, we always stop and have a chat and I often ask where they come from and, and what have you. And, and of course, the, the, there's another recent influx from, from Eastern Europe. I mean, the Eastern European crew now, uh, you know, it's, it's quite amazing how many there are. And I think if you go back to, 
you know, obtaining your yacht masters in South Africa. Um, obviously, I agree that there's a lot of poverty, but I think once, you know, as in Lindani's case, you know, being part of the America's Cup, I think that's what he said, um, you know, he's had the experience. And, you know, and he obviously has been off, done a lot of sailing, gone back to South Africa and found himself a nice, nice little place. You know, I'm in the Royal Cape Yacht Club. Um, but Lindani, are you the only black sailing member of the Royal Cape Yacht Club? Well, that's not true at all. And that's, that leads me to my next point that, you know, when I, when I, when I came into, when I came into, into the sailing scene, um, I didn't know, I didn't know a lot of, a lot of uh, black sailors because I, I hadn't started obviously right at the bottom from the young age. But now that I'm running um, uh, the Royal Cape Yacht Club Sailing Academy, I've found that there's actually quite a lot of black sailors here. Um, mm. And uh, there's there, there's programs that were started even before my time called Isivungu Vungu, which are the ones that actually brought about the America's Cup guys who sailed on. By the way, I didn't sail the America's Cup guys; it was the other speaker who did. And there, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of black sailors that have been produced here. But it leads me to this point where I'm saying that the the the, the yachting industry doesn't know about these young black sailors, and these young black sailors don't have parents or relatives that can be able to pay for them to go to Europe. They don't have the kind of money uh, to be able to get sailing courses. In fact, a, a huge number of them are just raw talented guys who've actually learned to sail on dinghies and all of that, and they're brilliant in everything, but they've never had the money to do a skipper's license, for instance. They'll never have the money to take a flight and fly to Europe. So what I'm saying is that we need to we need to look at how do we, as as we're doing here, and the Royal Cape Yacht Club is doing quite adequately, and they've seen that to actually bring young black sailors into this place, which is the Royal Cape Yacht Club, we actually need to have an intervention program. We can't expect it to happen naturally. We can't have, expect them to bubble from underneath like it happens normally in, 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 in the yachting industry, you know? It won't happen because they don't have the means to do that. They don't even know where to look we're the Royal Cape Yacht Club, and I can promise you that hundreds of thousands, if not a million of kids in Kailicha or Langa and all these townships that we have that are a stone's throw away from here don't even know that this place exists. So let alone that um, uh, Mallorca exists, Spain or Antigua, or I mean, you're talking Greek once you say. So they'll never just out of their own accord try and get there. So we need to talk about actually having intervention programs that where we can actually seek out and look for these guys and connect with institutions, whether they be in South Africa or any other part of the world, the way we'll bring them onto the scene and show them to the rest of the yachting industry that, hey, here are these guys and they're competent and you can use them. But that's but that's surely what Phil Wade has been doing with Inspirations. Definitely, definitely. In a, in a small scale, Phil Wade has been doing that with Marine Inspirations, um, but he has been taking... Bill Wade has been taking uh, um, uh, sailors as much. He's been taking kids from schools or from my academy, and he's been bringing them and giving them exposure to the industry. Uh, this is the industry, introducing them to them. But in terms of when we're saying we're, we're trying to build a pipeline for black, for young black kids or kids of, of, of um, uh, who are non-white into the industry, then we have to look at working with 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 with, with um, 
institutions that are sailing, that are already sailing institutions and they've produced great sailors and all of that, and then try and link them with other crew companies or, 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 or boats or, or captains or, or whoever is on the other side to say, we have these youngsters here, here they are, can you bring, can you take them there for a, a trial period or whatever it may be, we send their CVs, we vet them and all of that so that the sailing world at large in Europe or in America can start to see and believe that these guys can actually do this thing and see them, you know what I mean? Instead of us talking about it and saying, no, they are here, they actually have to, we have to find a way to put them in the industry and they sail there and they're seen and they, and they, and, and, and I think from there we can go somewhere. But if, if Lindani, I mean, this probably can go into Tim's um, corner, but um, you know, if you, if you go out to the far East to, to the, to the Philippines, I mean, there are an enormous amount of Filipino crew and they probably do not come from wealthy backgrounds. I mean, is it because they have, uh, industries in the Philippines, they have setups whereby these um, crew agents there are finding them jobs. Is that is that is that a feasible question to put to you or or Mokhtar? Yes, I think um, I think I come from um, from I come from the program. You know, I mean, uh, I understand what Lindan is saying, uh, which is. Um, we um, marine inspiration is being an, a great a great example uh, to, to put the project forward and i think um, everybody uh, should try to to really join and help and uh, and uh, being with uh, captain phil in palma a few times i've met uh, some of those youngsters and i think some of them are very 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 um, uh, very motivated and uh, mm -hmm. very intelligent uh, good sailors uh, myself i have started with Izivungu, <laughs> just to confirm with uh, Lindani, so I come from that academy because when I was selected uh, with America's Cup, I was um, sent to Izivungu to learn how to sail. That's where I sell my first dinghy. So I also started late in life. So when I first was, I was 25 years old. Mm -hmm. So and I think, um, and, and yes, I just pushed forward and uh, I was given an opportunity, which is uh, also helped me to pay for my courses and to be here I am today. I went to England, do my uh, do my tickets, and here I am. And I think, uh, and I'm sure all the youngsters who was um, who are out, out there, which is I saw in Uzubungu many years ago, if they give them the same opportunity I was given, they will be where I am right now, or even further up. So, so I think, um, yeah, every, everybody should chip in and um, help those uh, those kids, which are um, who could who could be have a bright future if we if we give them a hand. So, can I so ask I a question here on on a cultural because. Colin, you brought in about um, Filipino crew. And mm -hmm. during the week, we were talking with uh, Kitty McGowan, who runs the USSA. And she was talking of, of how last weekend she was in Fort Lauderdale. And it was a unique experience of, of looking around her and seeing a number of boaters who, had, who were black families. And it was lovely to see. She said, but, you know, in the States, so this is to do a cultural comparison, in the States, traditionally, um, black people were less likely to swim and they were less likely to get out on the water. More uh, likely to drown, actually. Well, but that's um, what she was saying. So it, it was one of the impediments. It wasn't just a financial thing. It was actually a, a cultural side as well. So uh, to bring it back to you, Tim, have you seen a difference possibly in in um, the reason why we see differences in, in bias is also a cultural difference. It's not just financial. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think we've touched upon a few different points there, so I'll address as many of them as I can or that I can remember. Um, having brought up Filipino crew, um, and some of them are coming from an impoverished background as well, I think the difference being in the Philippines, there's a very strong structure in place. To, and, and I think culturally, a maritime career is, is a big option for a lot of Filipinos. Um, so, you know, there's, lot, there's maritime schools out there. There's cruise ships which employ thousands and thousands of Filipino crew. Um, there's a lot of word of mouth about that, I would imagine. Um, I don't know this for fact. This is just me putting two and two together. Um, whereas I would guess in, you know, the equivalent in a, a black township in South Africa, there's not there's not any word of mouth of no one's talking about working on the boats or no one's even talking about working at sea. Um, whereas in the Philippines, I think there is there is a big thing about that. And they have a maritime oh, yes. they have a maritime um, history as well. Um, yeah. In the, in the Philippines, there are boating communities. I, many communities. I absolutely. I absolutely agree with you guys on the, on that on the uh, cultural things, and I think uh, the reason why, if you don't find many black in uh, in the in the sailing industry, for example, me, I was born in the west coast of, west coast of Africa in Senegal, and I remember <clears throat> I was never allowed to go actually to the beach because my my mom thought it was dangerous. <laughs> so, <laughs> on my first sailing job, uh, I started working on birds. Five years later, I couldn't tell my mom that I'm working on birds <laughs> because she will think that she's too dangerous. Still, <laughs> so, so, so you say, and 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 I know that uh, every summer holiday, there's uh, there's many kids who drown because they don't know how to swim. So even the sea was right there. The only people who were allowed to go was the fishermen. So, so people like me will always sneak out after school and go to the beach. Will always end up coming back home, and and, and then mom was standing at the Enters the house and with a big stick, you know, the things that uh, I, uh, I just did, committed a suicide, you know, did, I was about to. Did she never <laughs> question why you came home from school cleaner than when you left? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's absolutely a cultural thing, but I think it's changing slowly, you know, and uh, the, the, the sense of adventure in the yachting industry never existed uh, somewhere in Africa. We, we, uh, it's something which we introduced. Um, we only started to see that now. So... And I think uh, it's going to take some time, and 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 and, and these conversations and all these projects, my inspirations, and I think that we could do some push forward and help uh, those kids who want to come forward to the industry. So I, well, I think I, I think as well, Lindani, you know, you you've, you've hit it on the head. I mean, there's no point kids coming over here, and the thing is, you know, walking the docks without tickets, without the experience, um, you know, it's it's never easy. It's never easy for any of those kids trying to get their first job, you know, and, and you can blame Definitely. everything everything you want if you're not finding a job. But um, if there are better people with better qualifications and more experience, they're going to be the first ones in line. Definitely. I mean, that's that's I mean, really, that's 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 at the heart of the matter of the point that I'm trying to make that exactly what we've seen here at the Royal Cape Yacht Club. Look at a person like um, I'm sorry, I keep on forgetting his name. The guy went, yeah, mark him. Look at him. He came from, he came from Isivungu. From Isivungu, then he was known by the sailing community. From the sailing community, he was able to meet Phil Wade. Phil Wade was then able to take him to Europe. And Phil also knew people in Parma and within the yacht captains there. So he kind of like, kind of like plugged him in. 
You know what I mean? And that's how he got to where he is today. So it, that's, an, that's on its own is an intervention program that starts from a grassroots level. You know, so if we if we don't have those kind of intervention programs, if we if we kind of expect that there'll be a natural progression of things where black people will be going into the yachting industry naturally, it, it just won't happen that way. What we need to do is we need to have more marks in 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 there in the industry so that the people that he knows can then he can then talk to and he can influence. Because that's exactly what happens with our white counterparts in South Africa. They come here, they study for a month or so, do their yard master, whatever it is that they do. By the time they finish, they already have a friend who's in Europe who's actually going to get them a job somewhere. Because we know it's all about networking, but these kids here will never have a friend on the other side who's actually going to. So we need to first build that first pool. That first pool of black kids who are going to be in the yachting industry has to be orchestrated, purposely orchestrated, has to be built. And then after that, then we will see a natural kind of progression of things. So I, I have a, a question which isn't, doesn't really have a, a straight answer, but it's a combination of, I'm born in 1975. For those of us who lived in through the 90s, we felt that there was great progression and equality pushing forward. I'm, I know down in South Africa, it's had huge changes over the past few decades. Um, and we live very often in, in a much more integrated society. However, um, to, my, um, to my concern, over the past few years, I have seen a greater rise in, in bias um, rising in Europe in particular, we've got a lot of you know far right movement moving up, which allows less positive integration. Um, can I ask you guys if you have seen any changes in the past decade, particularly in the past few years, or do you see it having still moving forward in a positive progression in the industry? I mean, from my perspective, sorry, this is Tim speaking again. I've not seen any evidence of, uh, you know, people being more right wing or anything like that. But I work in the yachting industry, which is very middle to upper class. Um, and uh, I, you know, I live in a nice area in the south of the UK. Um, so I'm not sure how much exposure you get to that. And, you know, I might be making a bit of a sweeping statement here, but I think a lot of the, the right wing movement and things like that are gaining pace in the UK, at least in poorer areas. Um, probably going off on a bit of a tangent here. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's part of the discussion because we've got to look at the broader global context to be able to reflect back whether the yachting industry, because it is a more elite industry, is somewhat protected by the, you know, comings and goings of what's going on in society around us. I, th I think there was a shift. Um, now I know many people uh, attribute this to Donald Trump, and that you know, since he's been president, um, there seems to be an acceptability um, of of bias in in the world. Um, and I'll, I'll give you an example of this. And uh, I've been in the industry for about 15, 16, 17 years, and um, from the service perspective. So I've been shore-based, 
Um, I used to do VSAT and IT networking on board boats. Uh, just putting it out there, I'm available again. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I've never um, really experienced any overt racism up until the last boat job I did. I won't mention the boat, of course, or the name of the captain. But, um, and, and I, 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 I do um, emphasize, this was an isolated case. So I'm not saying that this is now endemic or this is, you know, uh, um, or everybody's like this. But in this one scenario, um, the captain openly and to my face and in front of all the crew would refer to me as a sand nigger. Uh, I, I hope nobody f finds it offensive that I use the word, but sorry, that's the word. I've heard I, that, I haven't heard that word. Before, yes, I, I'd oh. never heard it before either. Um, and you know, the first time he said it to me, I have to say, it made me chuckle. Um, I've got thicker skin, but, you know, um, he, and he was very open about it. But then I remember on a couple of occasions, there'd be they were doing a refit, and on a couple of occasions, there'd be music playing in the background. And if it was a definitively black artist singing, he would shout across the room, turn that nigger music off. And it, it elicited no response from any of the crew. Um, and I did say to one of the crew, who's a friend, I said, look, I don't know if I should face off on the captain on this or what. And he was like, oh, no, he's always like that. It's his way of testing people. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, that this was an isolated uh, incident, but there, there has been, I think, a shift in the last couple of years where things like that have become... I, I, now, I hesitate to say the word acceptable or accepted, but um, not challenged. And, and when I was reading through the, the Facebook article... Um, that started all this this conversation off. Uh, as I said, there was about 230-odd responses to it. Um, but one of the things that concerned me, and Tim, maybe you'd have a view on this, one of the things that concerned me in it is something that, that I have heard consistently through the industry. And, and it's not just about race. Um, it also has to do with um, inappropriateness with uh, female crew, um, and different kinds of bias or whatever, is that Size, weight, um, age. it's the industry, it's the way it is, you know, it could be weightism or ageism or whatever. I think, I think part of the problem is as well, Dave, um, is, you know, to use your example, I'm sure there are some crew on that boat who are disgusted by the captain. Um, unfortunately, the nature of yachting means the majority of the time, crew can be dismissed and kicked off the boat the same day. Yep. And they've got a very limited right to reply. A lot of the time, the management companies aren't particularly interested in that sort of scenario. Um, although there's Nautilus, who are, you know, a union, et cetera, et cetera. The nature of yachting, boats having different flag states, different home ports, it's incredibly difficult to police. And the reality is behavior in yachting is, or behavior which, it, which goes unchallenged in yachting would never go unchallenged in a land-based job because there is set procedures, policies, and there's structures in place to, um, to protect people at work. And that just doesn't really exist in yachting. You know, boats play lip service to stuff. There's contracts signed. But the reality is the boat is your home 
and it's very easy to get you off very quickly and, also, and you've got no one to go to. And also, if you do challenge it, I mean, they've said it here, if you do challenge it, um, you, you've run the danger of being blackballed in the industry. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure about that, to be honest. But, but um, it is a fear, It is, uh, and it came up in the discussion where a lot of people are afraid that if they do raise their voice, that the, the, uh, we've actually found it in just interviewing crew not on anything controversial, but quite often crew will shy away because they're afraid if they say something that be somebody off, they won't get another job. Not saying that's the reality, but it does seem to be perception. Yeah, I, I would agree. There is a perception along those lines about crew have to be careful how they behave, what they do, what they say. Um, and I think that's partly related to give an example. Uh, I know of a crew member who got sacked recently for an Instagram post. The post wasn't offensive, but it was a picture of a boat of the boat he worked on in his location. Now, most normal industries and sectors would go why have you been sacked for that? It's completely un completely unreasonable reaction. Yachting, obviously, is a very different sector. The owner of the boat, it's extremely sensitive in terms of who he is, where he is, security, safety, etc. Um, and I think crew do live scared some of the time. Um, scared is probably too strong a word, but you know they're certainly mm -hmm. very cautious about what they're public, you know, what they're publicly saying whether that's on a radio show or what opinions they're stating on Facebook, um, and some of it does relate back to the owner. And some oh. owners are very touchy about that sort of thing. And, and, and quite rightly so, Tim. I think any business, if you sign a contract where you sign up for a job and you, and you step outside of the contract, I put stuff on, on yeah. social media about the boat, you go. I mean, where do you start and where do you stop? You know, and these people pay a fortune for security and, as you say, you know, and, 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 and feeling safe. And then you get a young crew member who gets a bit carried away. Um, and who knows what they're going to post? You yeah. know, where does it all end? Yeah, no, I'd agree yeah. with that also. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I've been, as I say, I've been in the industry many years, as you guys have. And you don't even refer to the owner's name. It's Mr. E, Mr. D, Mrs. B. It was an initial, the boss, but the boss mm. Um, mm. or the one, the, 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 the phrase that I absolutely find abhorrent, my owner. It, it reduces people <laughs> down to livestock. You know? um, that one just That's makes just... me shudder. <laughs> um, well, but... that, 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 that would, I mean, it's because you're coloured. <laughs> and I'm pink. I'm pink. I love that. Thank well, you. <laughs> you, you are after a few glasses of wine. <laughs> Most certainly. But, no, yeah. I, think, I think the industry that we are in is a very special industry, and the people mm. that walk into it, you know, I've been at for a long, long time. I've seen people sacked for all sorts of reasons. And generally, it's it's the most it's the, one of the toughest industries you'll ever work in. You're living constantly with maybe up, up with 40 people inside a tin can, you know, for months on end. Yeah. And it's it, it's very difficult, you know, and it's not suited for everybody. And unfortunately, people get onto boats that should never ever yeah they're just not cut out for the industry it, it, tim if i could ask in a situation where there is you know uh, something that is overtly racist or overtly biased or you know it, is there any recourse or is it a situation where we just have to bite our lips bite our tongue and um, accept that that's how it is and change isn't coming our way or what I mean, would you advise crew? You know, a, a crew a crew member's got several different tactics they can take um you know the, the the first step i would advise 
if they feel that the captain is discriminating against them or sexually harassing them or, or whatever, let's use the captain as the example, or they're, or they're experiencing that on board the yacht, mm-hmm. then I think the management company should be the first port of call. Um, they are the ones who have got the most direct control over the situation and, and can hopefully do something. Uh, I think the reality is that's probably not always going to be the case and you are going to be viewed as a troublemaker or someone who is a pain who's causing problems on board as opposed to suffering in silence. Um, And then there's a a couple of different routes you could go to. You've got the flag state, you've got the MCA and things like that. Um, But again, you've got the question mark against it. Are you going to jeopardise your career by going down that route? Possibly, I think, is is the sad answer. I I think you're saying, I don't think... Racism in the terms we're describing is a huge issue in yachting. I think that the big issue is there's significant barriers to entry and this is more class related than or, or, or finance related as opposed to you're black, you're white, etc. I think if you put in 100 black lads who had good sailing backgrounds and yacht masters, 50 of them would get a job like 50 white guys would get a job and 50 have to go home because they didn't get a job. Um, but I think the issue is, using the South African lads, you know, they haven't got, as um, Mokhtar and Lindani have, have touched upon, they haven't got access to the funds to pay for the STCW, the powerboat level two, the flight over to Europe, funding themselves for months and months in on TV looking for work. That costs thousands and thousands of pounds. And if you looked at the one commonality between the vast majority of people entering yachting, they come from a privileged background, I yeah. would say. Yeah, no, I'd agree. Um, and it's the same yeah, in Ireland. Yeah, we agree. Yeah. We agree. When I grew up, um, the, the, the local yacht clubs, you know, they were coming from the, the, the well-to-do families, the affluent families. Um, well, one other thing which I will throw in is uh, earlier today I spoke with Petra Power from the PYA, um, who had wanted to join the conversation, but unfortunately she had a power uh, arrangement, so couldn't uh, couldn't join in. But one thing she did say and did ask me to to mention was the PYA, as an organisation. She said roughly they have about a three or four percent membership of black people in the PYA. She said they just don't see black people coming into the industry, which I found a. I don't, I'm not sure if that statistic surprised me or depressed me, but um, I'm, surpri- I'm, I'm surprised it's that many. It's my genuine, <laughs> my genuine thought. Um, having seen hundreds and thousands of CVs over the six years since I've owned Key Crew, um, you know that's a, a rough stat of one in twenty-five, one in twenty, something like that. I don't think it's that high. Um, mm. Certainly not in the CVs I see. And when uh, Lindani mentioned earlier, maybe you know it's eighty percent white South Africans. I could maybe count on one hand how many black South Africans I've come across in the industry and I've come across thousands of white South Africans. So, uh, yeah, I I would be absolutely amazed if 4% of people entering the industry were black. I would say it's more like 1-2% max. max. Or less. But do we we have, I mean, Tim, do you you see many African Americans or you know, people from, or black guys from the caribbean I, I see we, we do see guys black guys from the caribbean coming into the industry yeah. um, obviously the water, yeah, yeah they, they've grown up on the water their super yachts are ever pre- or not ever present in the caribbean but you see super yachts a lot and if you've been on a boat in antigua for example you've got loads of the local guys come on board day working so it's not such a stretch for them 
culturally to think actually I could get a full time job on this boat, and yeah. and they do. Um, so yeah, and I, I do increasingly see engineers actually coming from the Caribbean too. Um, back just back to you, Bakter, because um, you've been a little bit quieter. Um, <laughs> He's falling asleep. Well, just I, you I know, like to, do you get the reaction of being a little bit more unique among people, or have have you kind of worked your way through uh, so much that it? It's not something you notice anymore. Yeah, I think I agree with Londani. It's when he brought the attention that when he comes to the marina and they got looked at. And uh, a few times, sometimes I got some contractors and I want to do something on the bird. And then uh, when they see me on the, on the back of the bird, they ask me, please go call the captain or go call the chief officer. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so it's it's not a problem. So it's, um, you know, most of the people who, who, who met you, they just want to know who you are. And uh, if they find out that you, you're the chief officer, you got a, uh, you're a senior crew member, they, they want to find out how you get there and who you are. And uh, I think uh, I realized that most of the people that I've met and become friends with them at the end, they don't have this kind of problem like a racism problem we're talking about. They just, uh, they're just curious. And they think so once they know who you are and what you can do, they tend to accept you. So I think, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's always you will have um, somebody looking at you like uh, really hard and see, want to know exactly how you get there and who you are. But, but other than that, I think uh, uh, it's, uh, I passed that stage where I have to worry about uh, this is how my, my skin colors will stop me from, from going to what I want to do. So. Mokta, can I just ask you something? You've obviously been there and done it. What advice would you give to young black kids who would love to go out and, and, and uh, have a life at sea? And I mean, well, they don't have to go down your route. I mean, your route is quite exceptional, but. Well, I think I think somebody has to open the door for them first. And I think yeah. it's very difficult to to uh, like Lindani just said, to just come from uh, from zero uh, to, to to be up there, for to you to do your master and come to Europe is costs a lot of money. And uh, mm-hmm. and I think uh, if you want to do something, you have to love your job first. For me, there was a moment where I I, I still. Um, it's I still going every time the sales are up, I'm out there selling. It's feel like I've been the first time I've been on the boat. It's that feeling is always there. It's always new to me. It's yeah. uh, you got to love what you do first. And then every time you love what you do and while you're doing it, that that perfection is always come out. And 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 no matter how much how's your colors or skin is, if you're given the opportunities and you do it well, I'm sure somebody will say, you know what, you're on board. So. And just all I can, all I can say, you know. I mean, my my experience and, and, and my boating experience was a long time ago. If somebody walked on the boat, and they gave me 110% day working, they were the guys that you employed. That's right. And uh, color never came into it. You know, we had guys on the boats then that you know came from Antigua and 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 the Caribbean, Caribbean. and what have you. You know, it's um, yeah. I think it's drive and passion. You know, and, and and like you were saying about the guys in, in South Africa, if they're not by the sea and their mothers keep saying, well, hang on, don't go down on the beach, they're not actually going to have a passion. They're, they're not going to be able to evolve it, are they? Yeah. They're going to be afraid of it. Yeah, they can be well, afraid of it. One of them we didn't afraid of it. <laughs> escaped. <laughs> you escaped, yeah. You got out. But, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know 
if we've concluded anything, Dave? Um, I, I, I think so. I think we, we concluded that we're not, um, you know, in, endemically racist in the industry, that mm. um, it's less about um, black folk not being allowed on, um, into the industry, but more that there's nobody knocking on the door, or very few people knocking on the door, both for social reasons, uh, economic reasons. Um, and I think, yes, no matter where you go, get 100 people, you'll always find one bigot somewhere uh, around the mix. Um, and the, the only thing that I, I guess I walk away with is, um, is it's, it's, it's reaffirmed the realization that the one thing that I would like to see change in is um, that there's no place of real recourse. It's not like a land job where if something happens or you're faced with some bigotry, be it racism or you know, uh, ageism or whatever, that you can go somewhere and and get recourse. That unfortunately in this industry, you know, it's um, it's different flag states that, that, that there is nowhere to go. But overall, um, I don't feel my experience has been uh, personally that I don't feel there is overt racism in the industry. I don't think it's a, a bigoted industry. I think there are a couple of in, uh, bad apples in the barrel, but beyond that, um, you know, I, I think I'm ending the, the conversation the way I'd hoped it would, which is we've had an open and frank discussion about it. Uh, we've shared views, and yeah, I, I, think, um, I think we're okay as an industry. Don't know if anybody agrees with that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do agree with that. I absolutely think that uh, it's just uh, people just uh, are different. And uh, and uh, sometimes it's not just the captain's um, last word to allow crew to be employed. Sometimes the management company, the owner, got a got the big sailor. So, and I think uh, you have just to earn your place wherever you are. That's what I think. I think um, as the... I think in yachting as well, there's a bit of a movement regarding the the captains. I think the older, old school generation of captains are being phased out. Um, you know, and this this is a whole different conversation we could have, whether that's a good or a bad thing, or whether it's fair or not. But the new generation of owners are increasingly looking for young, dynamic captains, and I think they are significantly less likely to be racist um, if they're employing ten people. They choose the ten best people they can. Um, I don't think they're going to be looking at the passport so much, and they're certainly not going to be looking at the colour of people's skins. Colin, would you like to Colin? share with us? Well, if, if, if on that one, I think I think well, I think if the owner, the owners were to turn around and say to the captains, you know, I don't want discrimination on the boat. I don't want some um, this to happen. I want you to employ the best. I mean, I think a lot of it could well be that captains do not understand their owners needs and they're doing what they think is correct maybe um you know so maybe feed feedback maybe it goes to the uh management companies to talk to the owners and get something i mean obviously not in writing because that would be awful but um get some kind of direction you know and i think that would certainly i mean the, the a captain employing crew maybe you know he's fearful i don't know i mean tim tim would know um I've never had it. I've never had a captain articulate that to me, but yeah. I suspect that it's probably been the case on a couple of occasions. Mm. Um, and 
I, I like to think that an owner would not specify to a captain, I do not want ethnic minorities on my boat. Mm. But I think the captain is is taking on occasion is making a judgment call on, on behalf of the owner. Yeah. Or he doesn't want to take a risk. Um, yeah. So the safer choice is the white guy from England than it would be the black lad from Antigua. Yeah. No, I, which I, isn't overt racism, but it's still discrimination. Yeah, I, I, I think you, I think you've got it there, Tim. But you know, to, um, you know, if we, who knows? I mean, five years from now, I mean, it could be a completely different thing. We could be sitting here talking about, you know, white guys not being allowed on boats, you know, and <laughs> I, I can't see it, but, but you know, you, you just don't know, and, and. Um, you know, it, it, it's not it's not just black guys. I'm sure there are all all ethnic groups. As you were saying that probably get frowned upon in in the industry. It's it's um that's you know that's where we I are. I think I think things will continue to evolve. Sorry, Dave, taking over yeah. the last part of the show. No, no, keep going. We're, we're not bad think, by time. I think things will continue to evolve as they always do in all industries. And my personal belief is a yacht or a management company will get sued and taken to the cleaners in court and have a seven, eight-figure payout, and that will make everyone pay attention. It's funny you should say that, Tim, because, again, going back to the the Facebook uh, posting that that stimulated this conversation, um, one of the the contributors to that that, that stream was saying, you know, well, uh, you the girl should have sued the boat and the responses that came from that was uh, a couple of things one was that a if you try to sue the owner or the management company you're not going to win because they've got a lot more money and they can get in bigger lawyers etc b if you do try to sue well you better make sure you get a lot of money out of it because you're not going to work in this industry ever again and then another point that came in on the suing front was uh, somebody saying, well, the reasons that Americans aren't uh, looked at for crewing jobs is because of the litigious nature uh, of their culture, that mm. boats are, uh, that is, are hesitant. There is a strong aspect of truth in that regarding the Americans. I think, you know, we've come to a few conversation points here. We could probably talk for another hour on some of the points raised. Um, yeah, I, I agree with some of those points but we'd have to delve into them into a lot more depth. It's <laughs> another show, another day, huh? Well, and yeah. I think also with the evolution of yachts, it, the yachting industry, you know, had been uh, much more exclusively for the Med and the US. And uh, having talked um, this week with uh, Soup Yacht Group down in Great Barrier Reef and Echo Yachts and the Australian side and the Indonesian side, there's a hugely growing market happening in Asia. As we know, Dubai is um, is expanding vastly. As you know, the Dubai Boat Show has just gotten bigger every year. So culturally, we will be having um, soup yachts and soup yacht owners coming from a very wide range of different cultural and ethnic backgrounds, which will presumably also affect how, run out of white people. how it, yeah, people are employed and crew are employed. 
There you go. <laughs> well, that stopped everyone talking. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, never yeah. knew I could enough, do that. Strangely, <laughs> strangely enough, they're just building in Dubai a uh, 3,000 new berths. Yeah. So get yourselves down there, lads. Plenty of job. Okay, well, any last points, Mokter? Uh, any 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 finishing thoughts before we, we close up here? Well, I think so. Just uh, thanks, everybody, for inviting me to the show. I think uh, it's a very sensitive subject. But I think uh, from what I saw in the yachting industry a few years ago to now, I think that's, uh, that's a big progress. And I think so we are we are heading to the right direction. So maybe I'm being optimistic, but I, I think so. No, I, I, I think I'd agree with you. I think um, I think it's great that it's, it's, it's been brought out and that people are talking about it on social media, that we're talking about it here. I think the more things like this are discussed, and also if, if for no other reason but to reaffirm well, uh, that we we may not have an issue that people think we do just because the boats are white it doesn't mean the crew has to be but lindali yeah no thanks thanks for having me guys uh, and and as i said i mean from my point of view is um i i strongly do not believe that it will just kind of evolve and change on its own i think that process will be very very slow so i think the likes of marine inspirations and guys like phil wade doing their part is 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 the way to go i think we need more intervention in there we need to kind of kind of manufacture it in a way and then let it happen you know so so that that's that's my point of view and that's what we're trying to do here in cape town we're trying to kind of kind of spur it on you know um, by giving it some fuel so but thanks for the platform and uh thanks for having me and uh, i hope i hope to see a better conversation in 10 years or, or 15 years from now yeah, or maybe we won't even need a conversation then. Or maybe we won't, exactly. <laughs> um, and Colin, do you, you want to finish off with any last thought, Colin? Well, I don't know. I mean, the world is, uh, is a big melting pot, as they say. And I have to say, over the last few years, yes, I've seen more and more crew other than, I mean, originally it was the Brits, then it was the British and Australians and the British and South South African white guys, um, you know, mostly on the boats. We're now seeing far more people joining yachts, um, whether that's financial reasons or whatever. Obviously, people working, you know, I think the salaries that some people get, you know, um, dictates the jobs they take. And, you know, I think going forward, yeah, the, the industry's, cleaning itself up as a lot of um certainly a lot of things that used to go on on boats don't any longer i think one of the big problems is you know when you work on a yacht you you may think you have people around you it's not like working in the uk where you have a problem you can go knock on somebody's door you're on your own you know you're out there you're working on your own and you have to think and do what you do for yourself but um yeah and thank you everybody lovely talking to you tim Lindani, Mokhtar, and uh, Dave and Maeve. Well, thank you, Colin. Thank you. Thanks uh, very much, thank guys. You very much. Thanks thank, for having me. Thank, thank you, you all very much. Uh, you've been listening to a roundtable discussion about uh, racism, whether or not it's a big problem in the aerosupiot industry. Today we were joined by Tim Clark of Key Crew. Uh, Mokhtar Fall is the first officer and relief captain. Uh, Colin Squire of Yachting Matters. And Lindali... Spesmukunu, please forgive me. You'll get it right in his time. <laughs> and if I if I could just make a mention to Todd McFerrin for starting off this conversation, 
and and for standing up for um, the the stewardess who he'd sent for the job. Thank you all very much, and of course to Maeve for joining us. Thank you all very much, gentlemen. You're listening to Super Yacht Radio.